I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's East Side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. And good morning. Welcome to What's Next. Glad to have you along on this Martin Luther King Jr. holiday here on WBFO. Our guests for the next hour, we have Mark Talley uh, from Agents for Advocacy, and we'll get into Mark's story here very shortly. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar. Mark, good to have you with us. Oh, thank you. Good to be here. Now, it's good to have you back here at WBFO. I should uh, add the disclaimer that Mark uh, for uh, maybe a month or two was uh, was a co-worker here before uh, Agents for Advocacy got a little too busy for him to continue <laughs> on his services here. Uh, but we're glad to see you for sure and glad you're doing well. Also with him, um, Shana Broughton. Shana is with One Mommy Village. Uh, uh, from what we understand, in a few months, going to be merging with Agents for Advocacy. Shana, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, most certainly a pleasure. I'm looking forward to talking to you. But uh, Mark, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you in here on this particular Monday is, of course, on Friday, um, 514 was uh, was back mm-hmm. back in the news. Uh, the Federal Justice Department announcing that they were going to um, seek the death penalty for the killer of uh, 10 people at the Jefferson Avenue Tops. And of course, unfortunately, your mother, Geraldine Talley, was one of those 10 victims. Uh, You have been a a well-spoken person for uh, the families in a lot of ways. Obviously, some choose to speak for themselves, but you most certainly have never shied away from speaking about it. Talk about uh, the situation on Friday, you know, maybe just go through what it was like being in there uh, talking to the federal officials. Uh, not for me, but it was definitely a very emotional day for, you know, people inside the uh, the room that day, probably very emotional for residents in the city, too. Uh, just for me, um, you know, I was just ready to hurry up and get this, you know, get this over with, let the, rip the Band-Aid off, as they say. Yeah. How is the Band-Aid doing for you these days? How, 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 what would you like to share about what life has been like for you here oh for me i'm doing good i mean you know the first six months after 514 was definitely a tremendous time but you know i still have my good days bad days um no just last night i had a dream about my mother we were playing uh grand theft auto 6 and i was getting (laughs) mad about her because she kept messing up so i have a i have a lot of random dreams still about my mother yeah. Um, again, obviously, of course, sorry for, for your loss and, and thanks for sharing. And I don't necessarily want to be prying away at the, the Band-Aid too much there at the same time. But I know you've had you've been very outspoken about what you'd like to see the path for uh, the, the the killer. I, I, I could mention his name, but I got a feeling that you just assume I didn't. Uh, but what about what are some of those thoughts that you have about what you would like to see for him? Just uh, for him to spend the rest of his life um, in prison. I think, uh, you know, death is easy. Life is hard. Um, and I know from uh, from firsthand knowledge right now, uh, he's not having a good time 
currently in county jail from from black or white uh, other prisoners. So I would definitely prefer he spend the rest of his life, um, you know, in prison. I know he's probably going to get transferred eventually to a federal prison and more than likely be in PC until, you know, it's till it's time for him to be sentenced to death. But I'd just rather he, uh, you know, just spend the rest of his life, preferably not on death row, uh, to be spent 23 hours a day in a small room. Um, although physically he may not get hurt, you know, spending that much time by yourself has been shown that your brain eventually starts to change after two weeks. So seeing hopefully whether it's 20, 30, or 40 years from now, I would love for his brain to eventually, you know, eat at him kind of like the way ants eat out at a piece of food on the on the floor, just, you know, slow by slow. Um, what about you? How has the process been with um, the criminal justice system in this uh, uh, throughout this whole process for for you? You can't speak for the other family um, family or other uh, people who lost family members at Tops on that day. But what about how has the criminal justice and uh have they been working with you along the way? Have been keeping you informed of what's happening? Yeah, we definitely all, you know, we all get the calls, uh, the emails. They've definitely been, you know, up front with us all, letting us know if we need anything, uh, get in touch with them. Uh, they let us know every every new update regarding the uh, trial, everything that's happening. And, of course, uh, there's also lawsuits pending. I, I assume that you're, you are uh, being represented as well uh, in the, some of those lawsuits. Uh, absolutely. You know, my attorneys, um, you know, Terry Connors, uh, Ben Crump, I'm letting them just take care of everything. You know, I understand the stuff I'm good at, stuff I'm not, the legal stuff, not for me. No, yeah, me neither. That, that's for sure. And, and but the, it is a, a wide, uh, wide ranging set of lawsuits. Not only, you know, I mean, not only the uh, the shooter's family, I believe, but also social media companies ammunition companies as well they're all part of the lawsuit as, or these lawsuits as well i'm assuming that to be honest i really don't read none of the legal documents right. i see you know i see those 50 60 100 pages <laughs> i just you know what that's what they went to school for i'm a i'm in good hands with both of them very good very good um let's uh, let's turn uh, to for a moment here now to our other guest, uh, Shana Broughton. Shana is with Our Mommy Village, which uh, works on behalf of, uh, of mothers, specifically uh, black mothers, uh, when it comes to uh, the birthing uh, care. That's the best way of describing it, right, Shana? How did you, what made you want to get involved in, uh, uh, in becoming an advocate in this regard? Uh, because I survived three pregnancies myself. Um, I have three beautiful children. Congratulations. But my last son yep. was when I felt the most empowered because uh, having two hospital births, I saw what was going on in there and decided that I would not do that again um, and had him successfully at home with a midwife. Um, so the difference was so, so... So much so it pushed me into wanting to be a doula myself and advocating for black mothers because we die at an 83% um, preventable rate in the hospital. We've uh, done some uh, programs on that issue before, on this issue before. Mm -hmm. um, but if I could maybe probe your experience here a little bit as much as you want to share. You said you felt more empowered uh, with the birth of your son, your third, and when you had the midwife. 
What happened in the first two that really made it a, a, an experience that you didn't want to repeat? Well, the staff, they were very cold uh, to me. I had just had my first baby um, and my first experience, and it felt more like I was being criminalized for some of the things that I was even asking. Um, can I sleep with my baby in the room? Uh, can I see him? Can I get out of the bed? Can I do these things? And these are all like regular questions that any new mother will ask. Of course. But it it felt more like they wanted wanted a separation between myself and the baby. And I had lots of uh, awareness of, about a hospital, but there were some, some staff that actually made me feel like I was incompetent to take care of my child. Uh, the second time, I didn't like the experience because there were staff in there that I did not know. So uh, staff that I'd been there, you know, like been with for a long time, they weren't in the room when I felt most vulnerable. I had new people in there. And against my will, I had students in my room. Um, so there were a lot of things that were happening at, like it was really fast and I had to make very fast decisions, not really understanding what was going on and being in labor. So the second time, I, I definitely did not want to have my baby in the hospital. By the last time I said I'd refuse and I'd have my baby at home, and I did. Uh, and it was because my care was so different. Um, Eileen Stewart was my midwife and uh, Natalia Caraballo. They were both there and they allowed for my body to do what it needed to do. And uh, once my water broke, everything else was fine. Like I had my baby in 20 minutes. But that wasn't the case in the hospital. No, everything was delayed, like 39 hours of labor my first time, oh. eight hours the second time, practically no time the third time. And uh, you talked about the, the staff. It's so, I mean, you, 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 you can only get a sense for yourself about mm -hmm. how people are reacting to you. How, mm -hmm. how, can you maybe elaborate a little bit about what you were sensing from, uh, from the staff? No one in that room looked like me. Um, I am really in a room full of strangers. And although Eileen Stewart was not, uh, she's not a black woman, she knew my body and she cared for me as if I was an individual. So everyone in that room, they were learning me for the first time and I am in labor. So uh, a very vulnerable time where like just one conversation can make a mother stressed or can make her peaceful. So like I think uh, having professionals in the room that understand that this might not be a woman that you know, but that she's still experiencing birth for the first time or the second time, and she needs care and compassion. Not looking like me shouldn't be the reason why my care is any less than anyone else. I'm curious. Uh, I would assume you had a, a, a obstetrician uh, mm -hmm. that you were you were visiting throughout your pregnancies, including mm -hmm. your third. What was the response when you told your uh, your obstetrician uh, that? You weren't going to go to the hospital. You were going to have a midwife. It was a little rough at first because, of course, you feel like um, the people that were there that you actually liked that felt supportive, but you know they're not going to be there at, at your birth. Hmm. They felt like it was, you know, a knock against them, and it really wasn't. There were some people that I really did care for, but when it came down to what I wanted in the end, uh, I knew that I had to make a decision that was a, a little more long-term. Like, I knew I wanted to be in the care of someone who understood what was going on from start to finish. 
Let's uh, get into then uh, a little bit of uh, this crossover. Our Mommy Village, uh, Shana's organization, Mark, yours, Agents for Advocacy. Why the merger? What's what 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 what's behind this? Well, as I said, when I first was starting the uh, you know my organization, our primary uh, mission and vision is to spread awareness on systemic racism and socioeconomic inequality to foster reality in which one day um, one person's um, one's environment, one's race, will dictate one's future. And when it's relating to black maternal health, unfortunately, there's a lot of stigmatism. There's a lot of racism in the hospital these days. Uh, you have uh, black mothers dying at faster rates than women in third world countries. Uh, we're one of the you know, leading cause of deaths for black mothers in hospitals in developed countries. And ironically, you know, when it comes to women, black women in these hospitals, socioeconomics really don't factor in. Uh, you know, you just recently had Serena Williams talking about mm -hmm. how she felt like she was going to die um, in a hospital that the staff there wasn't listening to her. So I figure if we can put both our organizations together, we could definitely be a more larger and have a larger, more impactful reach uh, when it comes to, you know, nonprofits here in the city that's, you know, primarily led by either, you know, minorities or women. It definitely makes more sense to collab and merge it together than us all trying to, you know, compete with each other for, you know, the smaller, the smaller grants and the smaller audience when together we can uh, do so much more. It's interesting to hear Mark talk about Serena Williams. When you heard her talking about it, what what resonated for you? Was there a lot of similarities in her stories? There were a lot. I've seen myself and also um, when serving these mothers, uh, I wasn't surprised. However, it brings us closer together as black women because her experience, no matter what um, her background is, uh, was similar to mine, was similar to some of the mothers that I've also um, helped in the past and currently we are you know like talking through a lot of these issues that are coming from just being in uh, uh, an environment that allows for these mothers to be spoken to as if they are less than just because they're black and um, uh, our mommy village um, you also became a doula yes how many babies have you delivered? Um, I haven't delivered any. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about <laughs> they, that. You yes, have helped, the, the mothers helped have, Yes. Uh, <laughs> we have close to 60 moms and babies right now. Congratulations. Thank you so that much. That's great. What, so your experience obviously led you to, to follow that path. Mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the path been like for you, though? Has it maybe taken the whole experience to a whole different place? Probably a lot different than those first two births that you had oh, in the hospital. Oh, for sure. For sure. What I'm seeing is even though we have, um, you know, the preventable death, 83 percent, um, when we come together, we don't we don't always talk just about that. We come together as a community and we speak a lot about um, what keeps us safe um, and how we can make sure that we are doing our due diligence as black women to make sure that we're not going in a broken system with more things to fix. So our health and our well-being is like top of our conversation. And you feel like mer uh, merging with uh, Mark's organization is only going to help to amplify Absolutely. that conversation? It gives us way more reach, more resources together. This is a really big problem, and I was never going to solve that by myself. Mm. 
Um, switching back to you, Mark, then talking about agents for advocacy. This, of course, started after um, May 14th. How about for you, starting it out? What made you want to do this? I felt like 514 could have been avoided um, if there was more awareness on socioeconomic inequality and systemic racism. I mean, he was easily, you know, able to, you know, get a, a legally modified semi-automatic weapon, drive two, three hours uh, here to Buffalo. It was easily able for him to spot out the, you know, the area with the highest per capita black population. It was easy for him to find, um, you know, the area of a of a food apartheid, mm-hmm. and um, and he did this relatively easy. So from that point after five fourteen, I just wanted to put all the, the hate and anger I had to doing uh, something positive, and this is what led me to start my organization, in which we do a lot of stuff relating to income inequality, food inequality, and uh, business acumen. And I know, like, even when you, the, the times that you were here, you always remember you're on your phone trying to make things happen, backpack uh, giveaways and things along those lines. Um, you said you, you wanted to try to m- turn that energy into a positive. Is it helping to ease that, ease that, that part of it that's inside you, like, that, like you said, the, the, the hate that perhaps that you, you feel from time to time? Uh, well, it's still there. Uh always going to be there you could argue maybe it's uh it's even gotten even stronger uh the, you know the higher you go up you see the more the more red yellow tape that you have to deal with with people uh you see the more connections you have to start making um you know you see you know well this person could possibly help me but because I said something about this other person and that other person necessarily knows a person that I'm trying to you know be involved with you see it's a lot of um a lot of behind the scenes politicking going on mm. so um it's good and it's bad luckily um you know I think I'm an easy guy to like but uh no doubt when I you know when my eyes get laser focused <laughs> on something you know, um, for better, for right or for wrong, I, uh, you know, I tend to just put my, you know, put my feet down in that, and that's related to, you know, I always said to the to the day I die, I'm gonna continuously call out, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills for you know what they did, wanting to try out the families on the 50 yard line on the home opener against the Los Angeles Rams, in which they wanted us to wear these, you know, in hate, stop, love, choose racism shirts. And they in my face told me I couldn't be on the field for this celebration. Um, well, not celebration for this memoriam of what happened on 514. They didn't want me on the field. They didn't um, want you on the field? No, they told me I couldn't go on the field unless I wear those shirts. Ah. And they're still selling those shirts to the same communities in which this incident happened. And they're profit, uh, profiting off these minority communities while not putting the money reinvested back into the community from those shirts. And now to add insult to it, now they're charging, you know, people more than likely coming from these minority or, you know, low socioeconomic communities, they're offering them $20 to shovel. And, you know, that's definitely disrespectful considering they just, you know, paying close to over a billion and a half dollars 
to build this new stadium, um, once the year is over, more than likely, you know, each team is getting close to a 300 to $400 million uh, television check, which is added revenue. And they're offering $20 for a person to shovel, which means more than likely you're going to have to shovel, you know, four, maybe five hours if you even wanted a ticket at the, you know, the three to four, 500 levels. Um, you know, people who don't know Mark, Mark uh, is a former football player himself, and I was trying to I was trying to gauge your your, your height. You're about six 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 seven, Mark. Oh, yep, six 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 six. So if you put your feet in the ground and you get those laser eyes going, I'm sure that uh, draws attention. That's for sure. Um, talk about though, like you said, the politicking. Uh, you're getting into that a little bit. Is that something that you've 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 learned as you as you move along? You've learned to negotiate things a little bit in a different different style in, in some some cases. Absolutely. You got to be, you know, you got to be sarcastic. You got to hmm. be manipulative. Um, you got to be friendly. You got to be easy going. It's depending what room, what environment you're in. You have to, you have to either wear sheep's uh, clothing or you have to wear wolf's clothing. <laughs> Very good. And, and um, what about the being in those rooms like that? What's that been like for you? I mean, is that, was that something that you had a any experience with before you, you started Agents for Advocacy? Uh, only working, um, you know, at ECMC. You know, mm-hmm. I was a, a patient, um, a public safety assistant. And usually, uh, you know, if you're one of the tallest, one of the biggest people in there, the patients tend not, you know, they're not going to try to charge at you to hit you. They're going to usually keep that for the smaller ones. <laughs> okay. So that was the only type of experience I had. Um, but now going into these, you know, these meetings, you know, meeting with people I only ever seen on TV, you know, it's, it's different. But luckily, once again, you know, when you're the tallest and the biggest in the room, you know, um, you usually command a lot of respect. And then once you open your mouth, depending what you say, it can either backfire or elevate you. Mm. So I'm assuming I haven't backfired yet. So yeah, you're still going. So right, that's good. Uh, so you've 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 met with probably a lot of the movers and shakers in in Western New York, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What uh, what can you tell me about what you've learned? I mean, you don't want to be in general. Don't necessarily want to go into all these meetings, but what you've learned about the people who are in power here in in Western New York? They're just all ordinary people trying to uh, accomplish their goal. Hmm. Um. You know, some people may say their goal is stupid or wrong, but, you know, it's it's their goal. Some people say what I'm trying to accomplish is stupid. I wouldn't say that. Uh, uh, I've, I've gotten a lot of messages. Really? Uh-huh. Really? Yes. Um, any r- racist messages? Uh, just recently after my CNN interview, somebody said I was a psycho and a calm voice, and I'm on the same, uh, same level as the white supremacists who killed my mother. Wow, and you've learned to be able to not necessarily forget those things, but not let them. You just got to take the good out of it. I try to take the good out of everything. Um, I kind of took it as a as a uh, a compliment, a psycho on a calm voice. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I haven't heard that one either myself, Mark. Hey, we're going to take a, a short break. We're going to come back and talk uh, some more. With us, we have Mark Talley, Agents for Advocacy, Shana Broughton from one or our mommy village, and we'll uh, have more conversation coming up on What's Next right after this on WBFL. Did you know that WNED-PBS is always working on great new local shows for you to watch? 
Documentaries like Kleinhand's Gift to Buffalo, which tells the story of Buffalo's music hall. The hall is very intimate, and that intimacy makes everyone who comes in here feel a part of our family. Fun and educational series like Compact Science. Believe it or not, peppers are technically fruits. And Shakespeare's greatest hits featuring some of his best-known soliloquies and monologues. We are such stuff as dreams are made of. You can watch them all on our website at wned.org slash local shows. While you're there, check out the show pages and mini websites for additional content such as bonus features, photo galleries, and lesson plans. Find it all at wned.org slash local shows. Join WBFO every Saturday at 6 p.m. for an insightful and enlightening series of audio documentaries from our region that tackle topics such as the environment, health, the world of entertainment, and more. Listen to the WBFO DocuHour every Saturday at 6 p.m. right here on WBFO, your NPR station. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to What's Next. Our guests today, Mark Talley from Agents for Advocacy, Shana Broughton, our mommy village. Uh, we're here uh, talking about a variety of issues. Mark, of course, uh, his, his mother, uh, one of the uh, 10 people uh, killed at the... Uh, Jefferson Avenue Tops on May 14th, 2022. Uh, but uh, Mark has uh, continued to press on with his Agents for Advocacy and soon Our Mommy Village with uh, Shana Broughton are, are going to be combining, and that most certainly is welcome news. Uh, here's a question maybe for both of you, and you can uh, get into this a little bit. There was a certain energy in Buffalo in the weeks after May 14th. I'll, I'll use that description. I'll let you describe for yourself. Have things changed since that time? Are, is there the same type of interest? Is there the same type of sense that there's a togetherness of, of sorts here in Western New York? What, what, are you, what are you seeing? I see on a micro level things have changed. There's a lot more closer knit um, in the community on the east side, but on a macro level, I say not really. Uh, I think a lot of organizations, companies, maybe even nonprofits, um, I think they love to use 514 as a, you know, a money-making opportunity. Mm. How about for you, Shana? What do you say? I mean, I uh, I would have to say the same. I've seen a lot of um, very small changes, but as far as on a bigger scale, I think we still have yet to see if it has made a big difference. Mm. What would you like to see changed? Uh, for one, the resources in that area. Um, I serve a lot of mothers in that area. And um, still to not have some of the regular things that we should have, like driving down the street without potholes, Um, having a food desert still, uh, not having the resources that could make the neighborhood a better place, places for kids to go, places for families to visit outside of the science museum. Like there are certain things that I think we could see. What about you, for you, Mark? What would you like to see changed? More funding, more equal access compared uh, to other 
to other you know areas, other suburbs here surrounding Buffalo uh, compared to the east side of Buffalo. I mean, you know, it's, we get the the most lack of funding, mm-hmm. um, have the worst education rates, the worst health rates, worst mental health rates, uh, worst STDs. So I believe more funding needs to be given to education and to health, along with, um, you know, trying to help people on the east side, you know, um, fix up their current houses at that. And um, do you have... You- you know what you want. Do you have any sense of optimism that it's going to come? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I, I am on the board of Habitat for Humanity, and you know, the executive director Christopher Kennedy, along with all the board members, were definitely trying to work actively on the east side to provide either you know more homes. We also have a credit repair ship program, along with a, re- a program to repair houses. Uh, one of my board members as well on Agents for Advocacy, uh, Paul Perez, hmm. along with uh, Andrew Scott. Uh, you know, they had their own real estate company, yes. NARAP. They sat they, in those very two seats just exactly. a little while ago, yeah. See, so they're trying to do the same thing. So I definitely have belief eventually it'll get done. It's just unfortunately, I believe when it gets done, the residents that's, that's there today won't necessarily be the ones uh, getting the benefit of this. How about uh, for you, Shana? Got optimism about things changing? I do, but again, with time. Um, I know of the area right now is because they're waiting so long to see certain things, they may not be there. You know, a lot of people will leave before they see some of the things that we are mentioning. So I think eventually, yes. And I wonder how that that plays for you because here you are, you're working with expected mothers and trying to help them have uh, good outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yet, maybe the air, the environment isn't always necessarily right. optimistic, right? We all want to be optimistic about our, our children being born. H- how do you, do you have to work through that sometimes with, with expected I mothers? I do all the time yeah? because we have, uh, the food is usually the issue. Mm. Uh, housing is an issue. The schools, certain environments um, bring out more mental illness. There's a lot of things that they're dealing with on a uh, trauma-filled level. However, the hope that I um, hope that they see, it starts at home. It starts with the baby. It starts with the mom. And having a deeper understanding of how you can change your environment based on uh you know, like even with this little baby, when we're talking about like breaking generational curses, it starts with the mother not wanting the same things for her her children. So it starts with this little baby. Um, we're looking around us, but it starts here. So when you want more or better, you know where to go. It sounds like uh, those conversations can be pretty difficult. They are. <laughs> How do you work your way through it? Is this, do you try to rely on your own experiences and... Well, I have a social work background. Oh, okay. Um, so I started working as a case planner with Buffalo Urban League, and that gave me a lot of understanding of what was really actually happening in these households. So when it was time for me to work with these mothers, I, I had an understanding not only from my own experiences, but um, being in preventive um, services before and making sure that mothers understood what it meant to keep 
a well environment for herself and her children to keep them in the home. So, I mean, it was really tough, but a lot of the conversation that I had really had more to do with, do you want the same things for your children that you've had for yourself? And they start to look at other ways of being well. Um, and it seems to me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, more people are opting for doulas. Is that the case? Absolutely. Yeah? We keep women safe all across the board, whether they're black, white, or, or not. Um, having someone to pretty much hold your hand while you're, you're going through a very vulnerable situation, which is having a baby, feeling empowered is one of the best ways to, to get a mother to have a positive birth experience, which is what a doula is. It's moral support for the mother. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of the things that we do is really bringing awareness to the mom so that she understands how to advocate for herself, whether I'm in the room or not, she has better education. I love the way you say that, empowered. Um, is there a moment when you see, uh, with the women you're working with, that you see that empowerment? What, I do. What, what is it? What is, it how is does it show itself? when they say, I need all the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I want all of the drugs. I need the epidural as soon as I walk in. And we talk more about it, and we educate her on what the epidural is, and if she really even truly wants that for her baby, you see it when she pushes this baby out without anything not saying that you have to right but you know a lot of uh their experience is oh i i know it's gonna hurt so please you know but then as we get to that moment where she pushes her baby out she is so thankful that she was able to do it without you know like all of the stipulations that she had in her head before Shana Broughton uh, is with us uh, from Our Mommy Village and, of course, Mark Talley from Agents for Advocacy. They're going to be merging forces as they try to, uh, try to change outcomes for uh, black women who have the highest maternal m- mortality rate in the United States. And as Mark mentioned before, uh, third world countries uh, sometimes have uh, better outcomes than, than is the case with uh, black women here in the United States. Mark, let's go back a little bit for Agents for Advocacy. You've done a lot through your time. I want to get into some of the different initiatives, but I see that you had a a gala last year, and it was, uh, had like a, a, it's called what, Drop Me Off in Harlem? Is that what the the theme was? Uh, Yes, it was. The theme um, was came up uh, by our vice president, Kimberly Johnson. She's also the uh, board president of the Erie Erie County Public Library Foundation as well. Uh, she said she wanted to do something different uh, because most galas are, you know, the great Gatsby inspired. <laughs> right. So we kind of wanted to do something, uh, you know, 19s, 20s related, Harlem Nights related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did it? How did it play out? Uh, you know, it went amazing. You know, if I can remember my sponsors uh, from last year, uh-huh. uh, definitely would love to thank EY United Healthcare, ECMC, Roswell Park. Uh, West Her, uh, and M&T. Wow. You're, you're with some big company there. <laughs> so but talk about but what, 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 talk about the dress. Well, how did you dress up? Did you dress up? Oh, uh, yeah. I came uh, inspired uh, in the, in, um, it looked like Richard Pryor's pinstriped outfit Oh, in no. Harlem Nights. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Uh, tell about some of the other folks. How did they dress? What did you see? Uh, it was... It was a big ball. Yeah? Big ball, big gala inspired, uh, you know, women dressed in fur, um, you know, the women, I mean, the men in pinstripes, um, 
you know, double breasted had the vest on, uh, had the the hats on. So it was definitely a sight to see. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like music, the whole thing. Uh, oh yes, we had um, uh, Carl Palmer um, and Will Hart in there. Uh, they performed for us. Um, we had a DJ there playing music for us. So it was it was definitely a great time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, everybody loved it, right? Absolutely. And I'm definitely looking forward in April to our you no know, upcoming next gala that we're going to have. Same theme or a different theme? Different thing. Yeah, but we're still working on it. Can't tell me just about still, it. Yet. Still working on it. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Hey, let's get into some of the other things that Agents for Advocacy have done. Like I said, I mean, I can recall when, you know, you were here with us at uh, WBFO and, you know, multitasking along the line and trying to, I mean, you were just moving the whole time. I, I wasn't surprised that your your part-time days were, were going to be limited here at WBFO. So uh, let's get into some of the different uh, things that, that you've that you've that you've done. I mentioned like the backpack giveaways. Is that something that you're still uh, uh, involved in? Yeah, just this um, this past year, I partnered with uh, Buffalo uh, Buffalo Police Athletic League um, with uh, Nakia Kemp, Ronnie Morrison, um, Johnny B. Wiley Stadium with um, you know Cedric Holloway and Letitia Wiley. Uh, we was able to um, we were able to give out close to I believe three thousand uh, book bags. Wow. Wow, that's great. That's great. Um, what do people say when when the, when they get those? I mean, I, I wonder about that that sometimes. I mean, is it appreciative? Uh, people are appreciative of what they're of what they're getting. Absolutely. Along with that, we have. Um, no, I, I called my barber actually to see if he can come up there with his barbers to provide uh, haircuts. Oh, really? Uh, yep. So Who's your barber? Uh, Oral Roberts from oh, okay. uh, Colvin Mill. They're located at a. Uh, Ah, I believe 50, 50 Elk Street. Right. They're located at, uh, so him and uh, his stores of barbers he had at the time, uh, they came up there. They were providing all the children with the haircuts. You know, and obviously you have some of the adults to try to sneak in, but, right. you know, you, you get used to it. You know, you get used to maybe, you know, the people coming in to get a book bag after they've already been to three other book bags <laughs> events that week. But, um. No, I always say if you can at least help one person, then the event was successful. You know, as you were talking about uh, Oral Roberts, I could hear, I, I could almost hear my uh, our producer Charles Gilbert, who goes to Signature Cuts and Kenny Harris. So just had to th- <laughs> balance that out there, the, the plugs, uh, just a, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so, um, all right, well, what are you working on right now? You got, like you said, you got the gala coming coming up. What's 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 rolling on, along here for Agents for Advocacy? Uh, right now, I got two speaking engagements happening. Really? That, um, One's in the works, so I don't think maybe I shouldn't even okay. talk about that one. All right. But another one is that um, it, these acronyms are long sometimes. I, yes, they <laughs> are, sir. It's NJCC, and I just know it's, I believe it's in New Jersey, New Jersey Community College. Oh, okay. Uh, but um, you know, if you want to Google her name, the college should come up. But Dr. Paula Robert Roberson, okay, uh, she contacted me, um, wanting to, wanted me to speak to her class out there. Wow, yeah, have you done a lot of? Have you been doing a lot of speeches and such? Oh uh, yeah, from National Fuel, uh, Roswell, my college. I mean, my old high school, Canisius, mm-hmm. North Tondawanda, uh, Niagara Falls High School, uh, Mount Saint Mary Academy, uh, Evans Bank. Uh, a lot of a lot of public speaking engagements uh, regarding, you know, character integrity, um, 
social, social economics, uh, systemic racism, um, more awareness on socioeconomic inequality um, regarding also all the events and stuff that I'm doing, was it for, you know, the homeless population, uh, was it helping raise uh, funds and supplies for kids to, uh, you know, go to prom to buy them an outfit or single mothers needing infamil or diapers. Um, it's a lot of stuff that I've been uh, involved in community. And, you know, ironically, like I said, when I get my you know, eyes laser pointed at something, <laughs> you know, I've done all of this, you know, stuff in the community, uh, and it's really nothing I brag about. But then for you to be in a corporate setting, in a corporate office, and have, you know, the corporate team and HR executives from Goodwill look you, look you in the eye and say you're char- you have no character or integrity, uh, you know, it's... It's hard not to want to just, you know, snap and go berserk. Hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Back to talking in schools, though. What kind of reaction do you get from from high school kids? Uh, the kids love it. Um, one of my most two most memorable ones were at Mount St. Mary Academy. Um, you know, the nuns there, along with the the children there, they definitely came up to me, you know, thanking me so much for the speech. Um Definitely all giving me their condolences, giving me hugs, wanting to take pictures. Uh, from there, I uh, met one of the nuns. She's actually had me speak at her, I don't know what you call the uh, <laughs> the female version. Oh, of but, a, uh, oh no. I right. want to say monastery. I, don't, I think right. that's no, the male I, version. <laughs> I know I'm at a loss, but I know exactly what you mean. Yes, right, right. Okay, yeah. Oh, really? You spoke at that, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah. Her name was uh, Sister Roberta Fu- Fulton. Okay. She had me come out and um, speak at speak at the place she's at. Wow, that's really that's really uh, that's really something. Wow. Well, very good. All right, we've got uh, uh, another break coming up here. We'll take another time out. We'll come back and talk some more here with Mark Talley from Agents for Advocacy. Shana Broughton is from Our Mommy Village, uh, taking and helping uh, uh, try to improve uh, maternity rates among Black women here in Western New York and across the United States as well. They're going to be merging forces very shortly. We'll get into that a little bit more and talk uh, in our final moments here of What's Next as well. This is What's Next on WBFO. It's Reading Rainbow's 40th anniversary, and we're celebrating by releasing 40 full episodes of the classic PBS children's series. Look for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday through February on the Reading Rainbow YouTube channel. They'll be available for a limited time, so subscribe so you don't miss any. Birds, whether common or rare, delight me. That's what our new Now We're Birding and Enjoying Nature Club is all about. Oh yes, and the best is being with people who are also interested in wildflowers, animals, and of course, birds. Come along with us, won't you, Peter Hall and me, Stratton Rawson, as we lead monthly excursions to Tift or Rhinestein Woods Nature Preserves. To sign up, go to wned.org front slash birding. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? 
Email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. We are back on What's Next with us, Shana Broughton and uh, Mark Talley. Uh, Shana, her organization, Our Mommy Village. Mark with Agents for Advocacy, and actually soon they'll be together. It's a, we're having a little uh, side conversation here with uh, Shana. Just found out that she was a performing arts uh, graduate and also um, uh, uh, a dance. Her focus is on dance, and then it's interesting how, how quickly uh, you, you, we were talking about your, your former teacher, the uh, why don't you give a give a mention here? Because I I, I know her oh, husband well, and and she literally is loved by so many people in Buffalo. But Yvonne James Brown was uh, so pivotal and very instrumental. And of course, Deborah Lipasiota and uh, Hannah Rakin Showman. Those are all my teachers. Yeah, yeah. And Leslie Wexler. Oh my goodness! It just takes me all the way back. Yeah, still dancing these days. I still do, but not as much. Yeah. Um, when I can, I get back to the African Cultural Center, and I do West African dance. Do you really? Mm-hmm. When did you get into that? Um, I actually turned, I think, 29. I was 29. Okay. Um, and I was looking to just move my body a little bit more. I heard the drum walking up and down the street, and from there I was hooked. Yeah? Yeah, so the drum is like like a heartbeat of mine. Okay. Anytime I hear it, I got to get get there and dance. Yeah. Is it something that's becoming a little more popular? Do you see it? Um, well, it was something that actually saved my my life mentally. I was just looking to really clear my head and when I dance, it's pretty much everything is left on the dance floor. Wow. So Oh, well, thanks for sharing. I no most, certainly, most certainly appreciate it. I'm not going to ask you, Mark, if you're if you're dancing still <laughs> these days, because I know you've got bad knees, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, bad knee. My meniscus has been gone now for over a decade. <laughs> Lost on the football field, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's uh, let's talk about, um, you know, the hopes for agents for advocacy. Now that you've got Our Mommy Village getting involved here, um, you kind of must feel like you're like – a big offensive lineman, kind of leading the way uh, so others can get behind you and, and, and run. Uh, what, what, what are some of the plans for Agents for Advocacy? Uh, future events coming up uh, in February. I'm trying to organize and put together a Black History Month event mm. uh, involving West African dancing, uh, maybe having speakers or lectures coming in uh, talking about uh, black historical figures, but not necessarily the stuff that's taught in school. Um, you know, necessarily the stuff that's not taught. Uh, you know, most people believe, you know, it is MLK Day, and most people wouldn't believe how close to philosophy MLK and Malcolm X had uh, closer to, you know, the end of their lives. Hmm. It's an interesting uh, point to bring up there. I was going to, once you mentioned, mentioned black history, and like you said, there's a certain type of history that's taught in schools, but there's so much more. What are what are some of the areas like, right off the bat? You mentioned Malcolm X and Dr. King, uh, but what are some of the things that you'd like to see taught a little bit further? And once again, uh, you know, you hear about the you hear the cook the cookie cutter philosophy, you know, regarding MLK. You know, um, let's all get along. I have a dream, but you don't hear about the um, you know how he was literally, you know, maybe a a block away from as well being on the same uh, philosophical path 
of uh, Malcolm X. You don't really hear about the Bobby Seals, the Stokely Carmichael's, uh, the Marcus Garvey's of the world that much taught in school as well. Like, um, you know, even with Harriet Tubman, you hear how she, um, you know, she wanted to free her slaves, wanted to free the slaves. That's taught in school, but you don't necessarily hear how she had a shotgun with her willing to, you know, kill, hmm. you know, either slave masters or slaves who she thought were about to, uh, you know, snitch. You know, you hear the good philosophy, but not necessarily the, you know, as Malcolm X would say, the by any means necessary philosophy. Uh, people want change, but people aren't willing to do uh, what's needed to be done for change. You know, even ironically speaking of the, uh, you know, the Highmark Stadium and, uh, you know, the cheap wages that the Bills are paying. You know, you got a lot of people, you know, complaining how this game still should have been played. Um, not even thinking about the whiteout conditions, but even ignoring that part, you have people complaining how the game should be played, but you only have, I believe, 70, 70 or 71 people to show up to clean out a, a 71,000 stadium. Mm -hmm. So it's um, people complain, people want stuff to be done, but people want the next person to do it. And uh, you're one of the people that's uh, stepping up to do it, for sure. It, back to black history just a little bit more, because when you said Bobby Seale, it just reminded me, I, uh, visiting the Meriwether Library, and they have the, the, uh, the center there with, um, if you want black history, go into the Meriwether Library, and I picked up Bobby Seale's um, autobiography, which is, which is, I mean, they wouldn't let me take it out, unfortunately. I had a night to leave it behind, but boy, what a powerful, powerful piece there for sure. Um, uh, what about how about for you then? Uh, are you also a, have a like Mark's passion for Black history as well? Um, I do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I come from a different um, like a, a background of more creative ways of expressing it. So um, I always uh, try to bring awareness to maybe um, it's more cultural or ancestral. These are things that you know, like our ancestors weren't able to do freely. So dancing is is a way that I like to express myself when it comes to Black History, Black History Month. Uh, some of the people that I've been exposed to that we don't talk about a lot. Uh, Example, if you'd like. Josephine Baker. Very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> like how taboo it was the way that she was dancing, but how it was a form of expression. And to me, you know, like um, having the bravery to even do it um, a different way, so. I see it from a different perspective. Yeah, sure. No, but I appreciate that for mm -hmm. sure. Um, so, uh, um, Mark, we, we, you talked about a couple of things, like you said, about uh, about uh, like trying to have a black history event. Um, and I know the, the gala is off there in in the future, maybe for April or May. What else is on, on the uh, agenda for Agents for Advocacy? That trying to get more people here in the city, um, get them insurance. Uh, it's a lot of people walking out even without a, you know, forget regular insurance, not even Medicaid or Medicare. Mm. And that's somewhat kind of simple that, you know, we could definitely get them set up for. Uh, we're trying to get a, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, how a lot of um, bad black maternal health uh, due to systemic racism and just, you know, the mothers that's pregnant not seeing people that look like them. We're working on trying to get, you know, I believe it's close to around 80,000 you know, pregnant women here in the city or surrounding areas 
Uh, so if they we're trying to get more of those mothers that we can help possibly uh, getting them provided with a doula or midwife. And, you know, Shana, um, as Mark was talking, I, it, it struck me. I'm, I'm curious because we have heard more about the realities for uh, the maternal rate or the um, mortality rate for, for black mothers. Uh, do you, are you seeing any sense, though, when it comes to doctors, hospitals, that they're becoming more sensitive to the realities? Like you said, not enough people who look like you in these rooms at this, at this most vulnerable time. Um, it is. Uh, they are more sensitive, some of them, not all. Okay. Uh, there are still some that, you know, like are, are spreading a lot of fear amongst our moms, but we do have some that we work with, you know, like a lot of the smaller clinics right now are understanding that they serve a high-need um, population, so they're looking to work with me um, so that I can get more of our moms that trust us. Well, that's most certainly encouraging for sure. What about uh, just the message in the community? Um, are mothers getting the message about the, the availability of doulas? And like you said, understanding what could be ahead mm -hmm. uh, uh, down the process here. You're seeing a lot of um, mothers wanting or requesting doulas when they feel unsafe in the hospitals. A lot of moms have reached out to me while sitting in in the hospital. What can you do then? Uh, can you there's not a there's not a whole lot that I can do if they're not linked with me before mm -hmm. then, but they are finding me, um, unfortunately, maybe sometimes too late, but we are still getting the message out that doulas are necessary and they are needed um, when it comes to safety for black mothers. Uh, and a lot of people, as social media has been great because it's been giving me a lot of um, people that I didn't necessarily um, have connection with before but uh, it's getting there for safety reasons. A lot more people are, are speaking about being um, with a doula when you have babies. And uh, Mark Talley, we're, we're winding down here in our, our final couple of minutes here with you. Uh, and we talked about what's next, but what do you want people to know about Agents for Advocacy? Uh, the goal was, I said I wanted to be one of the largest organizations uh, here in the city uh, relating to socioeconomic inequality, and I believe with this new merger, uh, you know, um, we're definitely on our way to being that. All right. Very good. Very good. And Shana, what about for you moving forward? Um, What's just, the goal? Just knowing that um, black maternal health is connected to us uh, being educated as we move forward as a force, understanding that black women um, have a place of safety. Our mommy village is there for us to grow in many, many ways. But of, of course, first, we want to make sure that moms and babies are safe, that our numbers start to look a whole lot better because it's ins it's insane to see it. And speaking of which, how are your three babies doing? <laughs> My three babies are great. <laughs> One of them has blocked the nest. He's 18. Okay. Um, but I have a, a 10 and a 12-year-old at home. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so older. You've got your hands full. Oh, hands are full. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, as Shana Broughton is with Our Mommy Village, soon to uh, be merging with Agents for Advocacy, and of course, uh, that's Mark Talley's organization. Mark and Shana, thanks very much for joining us on What's Next. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Always a pleasure. This has been What's Next on your NPR station in Western New York. Member-supported WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown.